time enough at last. Submitted for your consideration to sci-fi fans, Sean Majors and Keith Conrad. Rewatch The Twilight Zone from beginning to end. It's like something out of that Twilighty show about that zone. This is Gart Williams, age 38. A man protected by a suit of armor all held together by one bolt. Just a moment ago, someone removed the bolt and Mr. Williams' protection fell away from him and left him a naked target. He's been cannonaded this afternoon by all the enemies of his life. His insecurity has shelled him. His sensitivity has straddled him with humiliation. His deep-rooted disquiet about his own worth has zeroed in on him, landed on target, and blown him apart. Mr. Gart Williams, ad agency exec, who in just a moment will move into the twilight zone in a desperate search for survival. Episode number 30 of The Twilight Zone was a stop at Willoughby, one of my personal favorites. I don't know about you, Sean. I liked it a lot. Um, it's uh, it's one that I always forget about somehow, but um, yeah, I, 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 have a, I have a great affection for this, for this one. Uh, first of all, I should say, I'm not sure if we're dealing with Twilight Zone AIDS syndrome or not, <laughs> because they say that uh, uh, Gart Williams, the main character here, which, hey, that's a cool name. Awesome, sounds man. like a uh, sounds like a sportscaster in like Tulsa, Oklahoma. Gert. Gert sport. <laughs> uh, they, they say that he's 38 and the actor was 42. So that's actually I, that that's not very far apart. I mean, not bad at all. Difference there, but but no, we'll we'll give him that one. But, but still, why why don't you just say he's 42? Because there's literally nothing in the story that would change because of that. Um, also, uh, something that I, uh, <clears throat> that I noticed at, at the very, at, at the outset, uh, directed by Robert Parrish, which, uh, is not the, uh, seven foot tall, uh, uh, Boston Celtics center, uh, Boston Celtics. And he did play for the bulls for a, for a season or two. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, right right at the end it. for him. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah. So not the same guy, as far as we know, <laughs> uh, we might want to check on that, but I, I think we can say with a, a, a fairly high degree of confidence that it's not the same guy. <laughs> and uh, uh, Gart works for a New York advertising agency. And um, it, it's safe to say that, so some things happen during the episode that, that make his life a little bit more stressful, but it's, it's pretty safe to say that he did not like his job. Right. And what I, what I really liked about this, like the, the cold open for this is so long. It, it's, 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 it, <laughs> we always go back to the Simpsons. It reminded me of like every Simpsons episode where the first act has nothing to do with the second or third. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so the, the cold open is just basically like a Mad Men episode where, you know, he's uh, they, I, I guess he takes a, he takes a, a chance on some kid or something like that. And the kid just doesn't show up to work. No, so what? Well, he, that's that's kind of what happens. So he he has a a protege, and he he trusts the protege uh, with the task of securing a three million dollar uh, um, you know contract for the ad agency, and the kid decides to take the three million dollar uh, account to another agency and just <laughs> go to another agency. So so, so yeah, kind of the same thing. Um, let me see here. Uh, so three million dollars <throat> in 1960. Um, you'd think I'd be, I'd be able to just uh, 
that would be $26.2 million in 2020 dollars. So that's a, that's a fair amount. Now you think about that. It's a chunk of change. Probably, yeah, he probably gets a, a pretty good commission from, from that. You think so? Um, you know, probably to the point where it, he's not going to have to worry about anything. So if he had just gotten the contract, the entire episode wouldn't have happened. <laughs> no Willoughby. And thank God he did. Thank God this episode happened. Yeah. Thank, thank God nameless protege uh, decided <laughs> to completely stiff him because otherwise it, it wouldn't have happened. So he, he has a very rough day at work and he's, uh, he's, he's riding the train, uh, train back home. And he kind of dozes off and he wakes up in, in the year 1988 looking out at, uh, at Willoughby. They never actually say uh, where, the, where the town is. The, actually, the conductor goes out of his way to not say where the town is. Very suspicious. Yes. Uh, also, I'm not sure why uh, July 1980, or, uh, 1888, uh, although sort of between wars, so that, that's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, also, it's interesting that nobody's on the car except for him, because that, that's definitely not how New York trains work. No, no, not at all. Even during COVID, I don't think that was the case. <laughs> what I do appreciate, and this might be towards the end, uh, toward the end of the, the episode, but I appreciate any uh, movie, television episode, what have you, um, where it has one of those old timey bikes with the big wheel in front. <laughs> Oh yeah, those are always great. And, and that's how you know that you're in, you're in old time. <laughs> if you really want to demonstrate how how are we going to communicate that we're in the right. in the 19th century? Uh, what are those? Uh, what are those big bikes called? What like a motorcycle? No, no, no. Like with a one giant wheel. It's like the the big wheel. Yeah, I had a Knight Rider big wheel when I was a kid. No, no, not one of those. <laughs> It's a really big wheel. They just, they also need like, you know, uh, two, two bald, burly men, like lifting weights with like black and white striped, uh, unitards. Yes. Yeah. That, that's also <laughs> a dead on giveaway that you're not, uh, you're, you're not in the 21st century no, <laughs> or even the 20th century for that. Matter. That's true. Uh, so he looks out the window, he sees Willoughby thinks, Hey, this place looks really great. And about the time that he's, uh, he's thinking this, he, he wakes up. And he's back in the cold, cruel world. And, uh, and, and he goes home and he, he has a, a wonderful conversation with his loving and supportive wife. <laughs> and, and once again, I'm, I'm thinking that maybe we need a prequel uh, to understand what it was like when these two were dating and, and did, did they ever actually love each other? Because she's, she's not that, she doesn't seem like a very nice person. I'm starting to think that The Twilight Zone is just a giant indictment of, of marriage in the 60s. Could very well be. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, there's definitely some some love stories, uh, uh, you know, mixed in with the Twilight Zone, but sort of overwhelmingly, marriage does not seem to be a pleasant thing in the mind of Rod Serling. I um, it, it makes you wonder what what his wife was thinking. <laughs> you love me, right? Um, <clears throat> so I recently texted uh, a friend, like, I'm really glad that I'm not a victim of a, of a home invasion, uh, because of course it would suck to get murdered or robbed, but it would also right. be really embarrassing for me to, for other people to hear like me talking to my dog, like it's a, per like he's a person. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I remember like early, early on when I first got him and I would leave for work every morning, you know, back before there was a global pandemic, um, he would give me this look and I would always equate it with like a stereotypical wife in like a sixties, 
like a 60s television show and it's like you're leaving me again aren't you like, and that's and that is this what that is uh Jane Williams in in this episode to a T she she grows a little bit at the end but like she is she is that stereotypical 60s television wife and, and she's very um She's very dramatic because, you know, here, here's a guy. He didn't even actually lose his job. He's basically just saying, I hate my job. Yeah. And she's saying that uh, it was her own miserable, tragic error to have married a man whose big dream in life is to be Huckleberry Finn. She went for his soul, Keith. She like, she like that is that is a that is a horrible thing to say to somebody. A miserable, tragic error to have married a man whose big dream is to be Huck Finn, but like, man, they just go out of their way to make her like a stereotypical shrew wife. Yeah. Which, which I, I guess, you know, once again, let, let's give them uh, some credit here because they have 22 minutes to tell a story. They have to really hammer home the fact that this guy's life is miserable and, and uh, we gotta, we, we feel sorry for him and uh, he's got to do something. It is. Um, this this is kind of like a, a build off of um, a nice place to stay because it's like I, I just imagine when when Gart got the job at a, on Madison Avenue as an advertising exec, like he probably he was wow man I really got it made I got this beautiful wife I got but you know then after you know a year or two goes by you uh, you trust your protege you miss out on three million dollars and your wife hates you. You know, I I uh, I have to say the advertising industry just in general has the worst PR agency itself. <laughs> like up until up until like Mad Men, uh, I I don't think anybody would have wanted to be in the uh, the ad industry. And, and really, those people are in that series are, are not they're that all great miserable. People. They're all miserable yeah, except for except all, for uh, what's what's her name Peggy or whoever it is. Yeah, yeah, Peggy. Peggy ends up coming out on top, which is which is good. But um, uh, overall, you know, they're all kind of drunks. I mean, the the one person that I know that worked in the uh, ad agency, uh, you know, world, um, he uh, he he was very successful. I mean, he's the guy who invented two for two bucks at McDonald's. Oh my! Um, and uh, signed Michael Jordan. So you Whoa. know, at McDonald's. So he did pretty well for himself. It's not too bad. But, uh, but uh, he ended up, uh, you know, having to go to rehab and, uh, and and gave up all that to go back into radio, Oof. which is, a, you know, fate worse than death. Of course. So clearly, the ad agency ad agency world is just not a a world you want to go into. <laughs> um, another <clears throat> another clue that we are in uh, the 1960s. Uh, Gart Williams' home phone number is capital seven nine eight nine nine. Yeah, yeah, that. Uh, that's uh, that, that's not even like half a phone number now. <laughs> Give me Klondike four six four. Yeah, it's it's early enough that they're not even using Klondike yet. <laughs> um, yeah, that that's 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 in, certainly interesting. Um, so so then he uh, he goes back to work the next day, or, or I, I don't think it's necessarily the next day, but he goes back to work and uh, things just go from bad to worse and. Um, you know, one of the things that always jumps out at me and makes me laugh is the the fat uh, uh, old executive guy just going push 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 business. Yes, and uh, yeah, it's like uh, that for some reason just always makes me laugh. I'm entertained by that. I um, 
and I, I I did like them naming him uh, <laughs> Miserable because it, right <laughs> he's halfway to miserable. So <laughs> yeah, he he uh, he lives up to his name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so eventually he um he decides to uh to quit his job and and i'm not sure that he ever actually does quit his job but he does tell his wife that he can't handle it anymore yeah i think he just stops i think i think he intends to quit yeah maybe he goes full uh office space and just stops showing up yeah (laughs) sees how long he can get away with that um but but at any rate, we we know that he does plan on uh, leaving, and he he gets on the train one more time, he goes to sleep, and and he's saying this time I'm going to get off because he he uh, you know he's 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 stopped by Willoughby a couple times, but never actually gotten off the train. So so this time he says that he's going to, and he does, and he starts meeting the uh, the local townsfolk, and uh, you know he. Once again, okay, this has been a, <laughs> been a theme in uh, in a couple of episodes uh-huh. that we've done, uh, in recent weeks. Uh-huh. Uh, first, people he walks up to are two kids. Stop talking to kids you don't know. And, uh, and he says, uh, you know, they're talking about the fishing, and he says, "Oh, I'll, you know, maybe I'll join you tomorrow." And uh, yeah, don't do that. Where are these kids' parents? I don't know. Yeah. Forget about the fact that they're fishing in the middle of the day because we've established that it's it's summer in, in Willoughby. So clearly they're not in school at the time. Right. Uh, it's 1888. So they're not worried about a pandemic, but it's, it's just summer vacation. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're still 30 years away from uh, the Spanish flu. Yeah. Why are you are, are 29 if you're President Trump? <laughs> Uh, why, why are you walking up to this strange man with a briefcase and saying, Hey, you want to go fishing with us? <laughs> and, and if you're the adult, why are you, why are you talking to the kids? Just don't, and, and there's adults around. There needs to be, um, maybe it's because like, uh, like true crime, uh, podcasts weren't around for parents right. to be worried into warning their kids about these dangers. Mm-hmm. That that could be. We we needed uh, we needed serial and uh, and the the myriad other uh, <laughs> crime podcasts. Uh, by the way, speaking of, uh, we we mentioned earlier uh, that they don't actually mention where Willoughby is in the episode, but there actually is a Willoughby, Ohio. Because oh. most of what Rod Serling wrote about was you know he would incorporate things from Ohio, so it's Willoughby, Ohio, and they have a a yearly community event. Um, uh, in in uh, in honor of the episode uh known as last stop at willoughby and i can only hope that they have like a big inflatable train (laughs) that you can jump off of oh my god we we do find out that uh you know there's a there's a flash to the uh to a snowbank uh with gart williams laying there in uh in the snow we find out that uh, he actually jumped off of the train and is dead now. And, uh, it, you know, it, it brings up the question, who amongst us hasn't thought about jumping off a train rather than going into work that day? <laughs> I do remember when I, I mean, I had always, uh, you know, had it in the back of my head that I was going to move back to Alabama after, you know, living in D.C. for a certain uh, period of time. And I just remember, you know, even though it was a 10 minute walk to work, I just, I just remember if I have to walk 
this same route one more time, <laughs> another day, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to throw myself in front of a train. And then, and that reminded me of this episode. Um, the episode takes a dark turn. Um, I mean, even the, I mean, the, the, the job stress is all kind of done in a, uh, in a comical way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the push, 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 like, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, the wife is over the top, even though like it's um, it's, it's all kind of done with, with a, uh, a sense of hope. Like, well, this guy could, you know, this guy has Willoughby. He could go there. It seems to be, you know, he could become Huck Finn uh, like he always wanted. And then you realize it, that means dying, <laughs> which right. is incredibly yeah. dark. I love it. Just, just a little bit, yeah. It, it's definitely not uh, not a goofy episode that you that you loathe so much. <laughs> um, so, do you think that uh, that Willoughby, you know, like like that this was a, a a real thing, or was it all just in his imagination? And um, you know, he may be enjoying himself now, but at some point, the lights are going to go out, and he's going to be dead. Yeah, I think that. Uh, no, I I think he died and went to heaven. I think that. Yep this was his own personal heaven and, and, and that's where he went. He, he escaped and darkly enough, that meant. It meant he had to take a leap. He had to take a leap of faith and it worked out. Um, and, you know, maybe because there's an opening at the ad agency, maybe they hire that protege back. He brings back that $3 million contract. Um, the uh, Jane gets, gets a good amount from life insurance. Uh, and then marries the protege with $3 million deal. And everybody's happy, especially Gart, who, who's, uh, man, if I ever have a son or a daughter, whatever, I'm going to name him Gart. <laughs> you know my daughter, Gart. <laughs> my daughter is also named Gart. Um, my, <laughs> I uh, Gart just sounds like uh, a sound you make after like having too hot hot wings like uh oh like, yeah just yeah. sounds like indigestion i i was gonna say it sounds like the the Garden. sound you make when you're leaping off a train <laughs> into, in, into a snowbank and rocks i'd like to think it worked out for everybody uh it does except for the uh except for the train conductor he just oh, had to watch it all unfold hard for life that guy yeah, kind of bad for him that guy's gonna have some sleep issues down the road <laughs> i i i would imagine so um uh, <laughs> I, I will say that uh, there was a there was a brief time when I was working uh, downtown and still living in the suburbs where I would uh, um, where I would take the, the commuter train here in Chicago the uh, the metro yeah I would get into work it was it was only for like two or three weeks but like I kept driving uh, people nuts because <laughs> because I would I'd be like texting them pictures of the train and be like Willoughby next stop is Willoughby <laughs> and, and literally it was like every day. Like people, people would get texts like, okay, we get it. You're riding a train. <laughs> it's, it's just about that time for, uh, to get that text from Keith about, about Willoughby. <laughs> it's 10 PM. That's when Keith is on the train. Oh, here comes the text. <laughs> yeah. And I, uh, I, I, I obviously was, uh, was a lot happier with that job because I, I didn't jump off the train. I, I, I only got off when the train stopped. That's always a good thing, honestly. It, it is a, a good uh, a good strategy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I uh, 
Yeah, this this is definitely one of the one of the episodes that I <clears throat> that I, I I like a whole lot. I can't say it's a it's a Mount Rushmore, but I'm a I'm a big fan. Yeah, even though you know you know what the ending is, and and obviously if you've seen any of the episodes, um, you you know what the ending is. But um, it, it's it's just it, it's a little like to serve man in that. It, it, even though I know it's coming, I'm still entertained by it. For sure, for sure, definitely a staying power. I think so. Yeah. And, uh, so next week we get to, uh, we, we've dealt with, uh, with, uh, some actually fairly depressing episodes, uh, two or three of which involved death. And, uh, so next week we get to deal with unrequited love with, uh, with the chaser. So that's going to be fun. Can't wait. Willoughby, maybe it's wishful thinking nestled in a hidden part of a man's mind, or maybe it's the last stop in the vast design of things. Or perhaps for a man like Mr. Gard Williams, who climbed on a world that went by too fast. It's a place around the bend where he could jump off. Willoughby, whatever it is, it comes with sunlight and serenity and is a part of the Twilight Zone. Cabotron?